Welcome to the Dirt Reporters Podcast for the week of September 29th, the uh, the final week of September, or what seemed like a long month. I'm Joshua Joyner uh, from DirtOnDirt.com, here to cover all the news, notes, results, and notable topics of Dirt Late Model Racing, along with the rest of the uh, Dirt on Dirt editorial staff. It's kind of an odd week. We usually get on here and we're all run down and tired from being on the road and covering events. And I think this past weekend, we were, uh, I don't think any of us were actually at a race to cover it. And Robert Holman, our weekend editor, was at a race with his brother racing uh, and did some coverage, but not specifically there for us. So I'm wondering if we're, uh, we're going to be a little more refreshed and uh, energetic this week. What uh, what do you think, Kevin? Uh, our senior writer, Kevin Kovac, you a little feeling a little better, better more energetic this week? Yeah, I mean, it's just was a pretty long stretch, you know, obviously, uh, since the whole summer. I mean, I still feel like the, uh, the I-85 day, uh, I-80 Nationals and Silver Dollar Nationals in July just happened. It seems like it wasn't that long ago. Uh, but and, and I, I just I was all like the whole time I was at Knoxville, uh, you know, more than a week ago. I'm like, man, this, now just get through this weekend because it's after the World 100 for the, the double worlds and go to Knoxville. And it's like after this weekend, you actually there's. There is a little bit of a breather. I mean, I know obviously Brownstown had three nights uh, this past weekend, but we weren't going to come. I, I, I was originally planning to go to Bedford for the uh, Keystone Classic because that was originally on this past weekend, but then they ended up switching that to like later October. So I was like, oh, this is this is the time we can actually just get a little breather here, and and the longer things are kind of done. You know, I mean, we still have the summer, uh, the World Finals will be coming up. Uh, you know, their track world championships only two days. Things aren't like really, really long uh, weekends now, and and just a few midweek stuff too with the flow racing. So it was, it was a breather, uh, breather weekend, that's for sure. There you go. And uh, the the member of the staff that was actually at a track, and again, uh, Robert, I know you did some coverage there, but you weren't you were there for for other purposes as well in uh, in Louisiana at Super B Speedway for the fifty thousand and one dollar to win Super B one hundred. Uh, how was your weekend? I imagine you know. Being there as part of a race team, it wasn't very relaxing. But uh, did you? It was a little, little different being at a big event there as a part of a team and not covering it. Uh, I definitely uh, enjoyed the the weekend in general. You know, just getting out to as a track I'd, I hadn't been to since 2001. I think the last time I was down there was for a super race. Uh, of course, so naturally, I don't remember everything about that particular event uh, from as far as the facility and go and things. So things have changed. So I enjoyed getting down there. I enjoyed the big race, the big money and and seeing, you know, 60 plus race cars. And, and also enjoyed, uh, you know, competing, uh, taking my car down. And, and uh, you know, we didn't have a great weekend, but uh, on the track, but off the track, you know, you spend it with some family and uh, my daughter was home from college. She went along with us. Uh, so, so it wasn't, uh, you know, 10 hours drive down, 10 hour drive back. That was probably the most grueling part of it. But, uh, other than that, you know, it was, it was a good weekend. I was off, of course, the weekend, not off, but at home the weekend before. So I was kind of, uh, geared up and ready to get back out on the road. And it, and it was, it was a good trip overall. There you go. Good deal. And, uh, Todd, you, uh, I know you are usually a, a Brownstown Speedway faithful and, uh, go there quite a bit. Didn't make it to the Jackson 100 this this weekend. Uh, did you get a chance to uh, ref- get refreshed and uh, get a little more, get a little rest? Not not going this weekend on the road. Yeah, I was fine to be off. I was, um, you know, I was on jury duty last week, seated on a U.S. District Court jury, and found out that was a lot like racing, a lot of hurry up and wait, a few exciting <laughs> moments, but uh, uh, but but lots of sitting around. They were, they, I don't know if they were trapped packing the track in there but sometimes they'd send us out we'd have to wait for a while anyway i'm back uh back after that uh duty there 
I, uh, I, I enjoyed that little comparison there. And interesting. I've never done, have been on jury duty myself. So I'll uh, keep that in mind if I ever get, um, summoned for it there. But, uh, I also had a, a somewhat of a relaxing weekend. I actually gonna tell a quick story here. My wife and I got a new camper, an RV, a class C. Uh, and so we decided to go camping instead of going with my brother, uh, Joseph, who happened to win the race down there at Super B, the big one. So, um, but it was pretty cool because normally camping would be, we used to have a pop-up tent camper would be a lot of work and be the opposite of relaxing but being uh in the the rv i i realized how nice it can be with uh not only you know having a nice bed uh plenty of room and everything but also we had the tv and was uh streaming the florida tennessee football game uh then watched uh the on mav tv watched uh brownstown race and then of course on flow racing got to watch uh, my brother win the uh, super b100 there so Really, uh, was we were roughing it, I guess you could say, so to speak, uh, there in the in the RV. But um, anyway, a lot to cover this week, and I figured, um, with three nights of racing at Brownstown uh, and uh, three different winners, uh, there's a lot of storylines coming out of it. So I thought maybe the way we could kind of touch on all of it was each of us kind of mention something uh, that stood out to us from the weekend. Um, and I didn't prep you guys on this, so it's going to be just whatever you pick. Uh, and then let's try to mix it up and everyone pick something different and then just kind of mention what stood out to you. And I will, uh, I will go with Kevin on this one. Kevin, what, uh, what stood out to you from a busy weekend at Brownstown Speedway? Uh, it's a little, I mean, uh, I'll start with just saying, uh, yeah, Brandon Shepard wins on Thursday. Uh, he gets it started off with a victory when that, and the icebreaker that was uh, rained out from, or, or not rained out, I guess it was kind of track surfaced out back in uh, the spring. Uh, so there was postponed until September. Uh, he wins it. And again, I was like, man, he looks pretty good. He's going to, he's going to get rolling here. He's going to start, uh, getting on a, on a, on a, on a, uh, on a hot streak where he'll win two. He has not won two races in a row all year with, um, uh, you know, with the rocket house car, only his own car. Uh, his own family car. So I'm like, man, he's going to get going, but he didn't do it again. It's like, a, it's just, he's, he's really had a really good year. Now, when you look at it, he's got 16 wins. I mean, but you don't think of Brandon Shepard as having that many wins probably because he hasn't had those big hot streaks. And, um, and then he ends up on Saturday in the big one in the Jackson 100, he ends up finishing a lap down. It's like, it's really been a, a strange kind of year. One of the, one of the best, I remember, Jonathan Davenport saying last year, or, or one of the years, a couple of years ago, one of the best worst years he's had, you know, or, or worst best, or I don't know, something like that, where he just, uh, you look at it on with just the numbers, it looks pretty good. Uh, and then like, but personally for him, for the driver, for the team, they're like, man, we really didn't, com we, we didn't do as well as we would have done. And we were hoping in like in past years, it's just, just those hot streaks of wins. Yeah. They're always in the mix, but they're not at the win. So I thought that was uh, a, a very interesting, uh, that, uh, that, that Brandon ended up winning the first one the last night. He ends up a lap down, which, uh, and when he was a lap down, you look at the first three guys who finished a lap down and that hundred lapper to Jimmy Owens. And it was Tim McCready, the Lucas Oil Points leader, Brandon Shepard, the Thursday winner, and Tyler Erb, the Friday winner. I mean, how how many times does that happen in the hundred lapper after two nights at a racetrack that you have, you know, three of the the biggest contenders you would have to say that you would be thinking would be good in that one hundred lapper, especially since two of them had just won and they all finish a lap down. So that, that's that's uh that, that was an unusual occurrence, I'd say, uh, for for the weekend at uh, at Brownstown. 
Yeah, you look at um, at all these these events now that have tune-up nights or practice nights, prelim nights, whatever, and you think they would matter. But apparently, it didn't matter at Brownstown. Those guys that all ran ran well on Thursday and Friday struggled in the the finale. I'm going to jump in with the one thing that stood out to me here, as because you're talking about guys that were a lap down. How about Ricky Thornton Jr. unlapping himself and then going from like 17th to I think sixth in the uh, in the feature there Saturday. I don't know if y'all caught that, but at one point he was when I I first turned it on. I'd been doing other things there. Like I said, we were camping and I turned on the feature um, and he's, I, he's a lap day. He's behind Jimmy Owens. It just went a lap down and then he passes Jimmy Owens and my, my kids were running around and it was loud. So I really wasn't listening to it. And I'm like, and the scoring is going across the top and Thornton's not listed up there. And I'm like, hey, he was, his transponder must've fell off or something. And he's just not listed, but I thought he had just taken the lead, but uh, you know, come to find out he was, was a lap down <laughs> and, uh, and um, had unlapped himself and, and then I think he got in a tangle. I never saw a replay of it, so I don't know what happened. But apparently he got in a tangle. Um, and it would have been interesting to see what happened there uh, if he was going to have anything for the eventual winner there, Jimmy Owens, as he uh, made his run uh, from a lap down all the way up to sixth. And who knows where from there if it had, had panned out a little differently for him. Um, and overall, a rough weekend for him. And uh, went for a hard wreck on, uh, I guess, I think it was Thursday or Friday, one of the, pre- one of the, the uh, first two nights. Um, kind of really, really rough wreck. Glad he was okay in that one and, and hated to see that. It was looking good that he was going to have a rebound there on Saturday. Hated to see that didn't work out for him. Uh, Robert, what about you? I'll go with you. What what stood out to you from a, a busy weekend at Brownstown? Uh, definitely the the effort put forth by Earl Pearson Jr. and that team. You know, are we seeing a resurgence or a reemergence, uh, I should say, of, of Earl Pearson Jr.? He finishes – sixth and fourth in those last two features. I'm not sure if he ran that first one or didn't run it because of the team switch or whatever. I'm not really sure, but uh, he runs, I think, sixth, and then comes back and finishes fourth, or maybe I got those flip-flop. But a- excellent effort for a, a guy that, uh, I guess, quite frankly, a lot of people have written off this year just because he's had such, such poor uh, results throughout the season. In fact, you know, Earl himself, I think, said in in a recent interview that he wasn't even sure if he would – what was going on with his career, if he was done or what. But uh, it's good to see uh, a veteran driver, you know, just a change of scenery and a change of pace sometimes does does people wonders. And it's good to see that, that him get with uh, J- Jason and, and get hooked up here and, and have good results. And I look forward to seeing what they can do – throughout the rest of the season and, you know, next year. So I'm sure that those guys are really stoked and, and pretty excited about that. Definitely. I, I would, I would admit that I've been impressed with, with uh, Earl Pearson Jr.'s, uh, you know, opening few weeks here in the, uh, in his new ride. Um, so definitely like, like you, I'm excited to see where he goes from there. Uh, Todd, what about you? Did What, what stood out to you? Uh, we haven't mentioned uh, Tyler Herb winning, uh, Hit on Jimmy Owens winning, um, but anything else? Any of either of those or anything else stand out to you from Brownstown? Well, I just Josh Rice that you know he's run well at Brownstown, but hadn't won. He was right there in the mix when in the race. Tyler Herb won. Had a flat tire, and, you know, n- not clearly better than Herb, but but uh, good enough to pass Herb back after the, he passed after Herb took the lead uh, there early in the race, and then a flat tire, and he came back a little bit, so he must have still had a pretty good car. Um, you know, that would have been big for him to win. And, and, you know, he's already won once on the Lucas Oil this year, Lucas Oil Series this year. So that would have been big for him to come back. And then, and then I guess the, the Owens, the Owens situation with uh, his scramble with Gilpin, uh, uh, 
and then coming back to win the next night. Kevin, I know you you talked about that a little bit. Maybe Kevin, you can just you know talk about Kevin. We don't see Owens. Oh, uh, Owens kind of get into it like he did. T- tell us a little bit about what you saw there, Kevin. Oh yeah, I mean I I remember just seeing uh, the slider from Devin Gilpin. I mean he really came. You know he comes up right across uh, the front of uh, of Jimmy coming off a of two, and then and Jimmy uh, there was contact there, and it and it had to. It, it looked like contact enough that it could have done something to Jimmy's car. And, uh, and I remember Jimmy last year during that whole Tyler had been sitting at Cedar Lake and, and Jimmy, one of one of his one comments about like, uh, you know, retaliation, I guess, or anything was, uh, I, I, he makes his living at this. He goes, so my, uh, my memory goes as long as the next straightaway, you know, (laughs) then then I forget about it and I'm not going to, you know, worry about it after that because I'm not going to, Take myself out of a race and and here uh he it sure looked like man he come right in there and he was like Devin Gilpin's not going to go on if I'm not going to go on or or I mean there, there was definitely an agitation there uh with Jimmy which you don't normally see at all he's usually so definitely a guy that's not gonna mix it up like that and and go after somebody and uh and he did so, uh, and then the, both of them spun around and went flying off the racetrack over the banking. So uh, that was uncharacteristic for Jimmy, but you know sometimes, sometimes it happens. I mean, there was no other extracurricular, I guess, as far as I know, uh, uh, between the two. But uh, Jimmy Owens was certainly angry. I know because Owens is a guy who's like he. I know he backs off. A, he said it sometimes that maybe he's not aggressive enough. Some of the some of the aggressive younger guys will, will make a slider and he will give them that space. And I, he wasn't willing to do it this time, I guess. Well, to be fair, that was, that was a short straightaway, right? <laughs> yeah, very short. It was a quarter <laughs> mile. So maybe that's two straightaways for that. So, you know, he did it. He did remember only one there. So, yeah, I'll, I'll say about the Owens Gilpin incident. It looked like to me, and, and I agree with you. It was surprising to see Owens, what looked like retaliate just to kind of take, Gilpin out there, but I'm I'm gonna guess that when they made contact on the about the middle of the back straightaway, um, that and Gilpin was kind of slipped over the uh, over the top and come back on, and they kind of and Owens kind of ramped him. I'm gonna guess you know Jimmy kind of could feel that something had happened with his car. So he got he got airborne there, his right front did, and that he knew he was pretty much done. And like you said, Kevin, it looked like that he said, well, if I'm done, he's done too. Um, so I, cause I can't imagine if, if Jimmy thought he still had a chance of, you know, even a top five there, or, or, you know, he wouldn't have done that, but, um, at least not based on his prior history. So that was, uh, kind of my take on it is he must've been, you know, knew he, he wasn't going to be, be able to keep going or at least not be as competitive and, um, decided he'd do the same to, to Gilpin and, and he did. Uh, but anyway, uh, Robert, do you have something you wanted to add about that? No, oh, thought you were raising your hand over there. <laughs> anyway, um, all right. Anything else stand out for you guys from uh, from Brownstown? Uh, worth mentioning? Any other anything we missed? News notes for uh, or anything from it, Kevin? You got something there? Yeah, uh, yeah. Let's not forget who was missing from that weekend. Was uh, we talked about? It, I think a lot last week. But this is the weekend that Jonathan Davenport has to make his uh, you know his rush here to. To come back in the points and and remember, I mean, geez, this was a weekend we were thinking about all year because he missed the icebreaker back in March uh, to go run that Bristol fifty thousand to win race that he won, uh, and then there was like, well, will will Jonathan even be able to get point? Will he be able to allow to race that? And the rules were going to allow him to get in that B main uh, to try to tag it and, uh, and and still use a provisional, I believe. So uh, with, with that, 
he gets uh, test positive for COVID-19 on uh, uh, right before the weekend and said he wasn't feeling really bad or anything. But two of his crewmen had uh, had tested positive. They came down, they got sick after the weekend at uh, at Knoxville, came down with it. And and then he went, he went and got tested. He was he was positive. So he had to sit out the weekend. So which effectively knocks him out of the points. I mean, uh, he I think he fell to fifth now. Uh, so that was his last chance. I mean, so after all that buildup, uh, man, what's he going to this? Is he going to come back? You know, this is that race that 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 meant that he missed back in March. He's not even at all any of them. And uh, I did just check today. Uh, today, this is when before we uh, uh, started here about how he was doing. And Jonathan said he's he's feeling pretty good. He 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 hasn't seemed to really get a lot of bad symptoms or anything. But his uh, crew guys, uh, Matt Langston, who also was positive, he said he was feeling all right. Jason Durham, the crew chief, he's uh, Jonathan did say that he's not, he's still, he's probably the, the worst of the three that uh, of those three that he's still feeling pretty uh, he, he's under the weather still. So hopefully he gets better quick and, and they can get back at it. But uh, just as a sidelight there, I mean, this, ha- I know people have talked in the pits a little bit lately about like, and this was probably an example of it. Uh, I think uh, we're, everybody was pretty lucky last year in the whole dirt world. I think where the there there was COVID around you know but it didn't really hit you were you kind of I was always like thinking man these guys are all in these haulers together traveling around I mean in one hand that's a thing where they're in their own little pod but also they're out and then they come back in and and if somebody gets it it could spread really quick when you're traveling down the country and and that seems like it's happened more I mean yeah I know a couple guys have mentioned that they're worried they're they're keeping an eye on their team and stuff to make sure uh, that if anything happens, if anybody feeling sick, that they nip it in the bud. So maybe everybody else on that team, because I, I, there is several teams where it's kind of gone through and it looks like it happened with Davenport's where, you know, three of the five guys on the team uh, ended up sick after Knoxville. So uh, hopefully yeah. we can get through the rest of the year without having anything like that, uh, you know, really getting getting bigger with uh, with some of the teams. Yeah, I was actually uh, gonna say you kind of you kind of hit on it there, but if you know, I think the only thing that stands between Tim McCready and his first Lucas Oil title right now could be a um, you know an outbreak of COVID amongst his team or something. Like I have mm-hmm. to wonder how if I'm him, I am protecting myself from you know, and I don't know what his you know status is and if he's had it or anything like that. But I would be staying as far away from any you know potential um, you know someone with COVID as I could, just because if you get it and you have to be quarantined or something. You know, that, yeah, I, I, that's yeah. sort of the same thing. I know Mark Richards with the Rocket Chassis House Car team is thinking that same way. Uh, I mean, he's uh, he, he's thought about it. You know, I mean, he has a business to run, too. He doesn't want anybody uh, bringing, um, you know, like a breakout at the at the business. And and then he's in their own little group and he's seen like what could happen. Some of the guys that he knows. I mean, he's he's had several people pass away this year that, that he knows is he can look in his phone and see these guys are or, or aren't there anymore. You know, because they they had COVID um and or had and have and and lost the battle with it. So, uh, he's uh he's got a championship to win with Brandon Shepard. So I know he's being very careful. Uh, that that's not something that could uh you know dive bomb them towards the end with only a few races to go in the outlaw season. Yeah, definitely. So it's a a, a different dynamic, of course, with um you know everything going on and um you know, having to deal with that. So, uh, but anyway, hopefully that doesn't come into play and affect it. You know, we hated that for, for, you know, Jonathan Davenport, you know, being, having to sit out because of it, but hopefully, uh, there's not any other issues and we can all move on and, and be healthy going forward. 
All right. So, uh, yeah, thank you. Glad you mentioned that, Kevin. I was about to move on without mentioning it and bringing it up, but that was certainly a, um, you know, a, a, a major new breaking news. What seems like a while ago now, uh, uh, midweek last week with Davenport, the news coming out, Davenport wouldn't be there uh, for the uh, for Brownstown. So hopefully he's able to get back going here pretty soon. Uh, yeah, but the other big race for the weekend, it was a, a, a crate race, and we, we don't do a whole lot of talking about crate late mall stuff, but I figured we'd hit on it real quick. Uh, $50,001 to win. And again, I said, you know, like I said, Robert, you were down there. Uh, give us a, you know, kind of a quick update, some of the, the what, what went on down there. I know you were busy. Uh, with your race team, but um, kind of hit a few things, the news and notes from from down there over the weekend. It was a, uh, you know, it was, it was an excellent weekend uh, down there. The weather was perfect. Uh, you couldn't ask for much better uh, weather down there for the weekend. You know, they they'd postponed that deal from the week before when you had uh, uh, some some bad rain or a lot of rain come through the area. So they they definitely made the right decision. Uh, I think there were some people maybe disappointed at uh, the car count. Uh, it wound up being 61 total by by the time the weekend was over because a few cars showed up on Saturday and tagged the rear of the heats. But in all reality, that you know, a lot of factors play into that, whether it be the rescheduling, whether it be the fact that they they ran factor it was three nights because qualifying was on Thursday, so you had to be there for three nights, or could it be that the race only paid a thousand dollars from tenth on back, so you know a lot of things probably played into that uh, car count deal. But still, the, the sixty-one cars that were there provided uh, entertaining racing. You know, Kay Dillard and some cat named Joseph Joiner were there, <laughs> along with BJ um, BJ Robinson, um, the ageless Donald Watson. Uh, I mean, it was a, it was a solid field of, of cars. I don't know, you know, uh, Carson Ferguson sat on the pole. The heats were, uh, pretty solid. The racetrack finally widened up a little bit on Saturday for the feature and allowed a little bit, uh, allowed a little bit of, of two wide racing, which was kind of not really the case, you know, on Thursday. People were all over the, the racetrack, and, and it's like somebody said to me, well, of course they are because there's, they have nothing to gain or nothing to lose. They're trying out their cars. They're trying out lines, and, and you know, but then once the once they got down to business, it was all kind of right down around the bottom uh, on Friday with those heats and stuff. And there wasn't a ton of passing, but uh, Saturday proved to be pretty entertaining uh, a race. You know, Joseph there made that pass with um, – I guess on lap 35 and, and led the rest of the way. Uh, trying to think about some of the comments that people made. I know that uh, Kay Dillard uh, ran second. And he had, uh, that was the, the third, his paid, paid $20,000 for him to finish uh, second. And that was the third highest payday of his career. So a lot of, a lot of money was doled out down there. And so kudos to, Joey Brown and Brandon Hightower for for putting this deal on because it's not an easy chore. I will say that the place was absolutely packed, which was which was really awesome to see. You know, and the last time I'd been to Chatham was 2001. In fact, it was I think three days after 9/11. I'd been out to Texas and was just looking for a place to race to find a race. And when that race got cat. Uh, canceled the nascar stuff and all the dirt stuff at texas motor speedway dirt track got 
got canceled because of 9-11 when flights and all that stuff started started getting canceled and and the nfl once the nfl pulled the plug the nascar pulled the plug and once nascar pulled the plug of course the have a tampa deal did so i was looking for a place just to go to and i'm coming back just so, so i didn't you know waste my time and so i came back through there and there was a super race at chatham i would never been there so i ducked in there for that night and uh i like the place uh, and i, I like the place this weekend it was uh a little quirky the track is uh some say it's really flat but i i didn't it didn't didn't seem that flat to me i didn't fall down walk across the infield so maybe it probably is flat i guess but uh but um, but you know, I liked the place. The place was, like I said, the, the lot of, lot of bleachers, a lot of space and, and a lot of, of, uh, fans there. And I, and they've had, think about what Joey Brown has done since taking over that place. They had like a $15,000 to win street stock race or something like two weeks ago. Okay. Then they come back with a $50,000 to win $50,001 to win crate late model race this past weekend. And this coming weekend, they've got a like a five thousand dollar to win mod racers or beam uh, limited limited mod race this weekend. That is incredible. That is absolutely incredible. I wish they'd maybe take some of that money and put up a cell tower because the cell service <laughs> is absolutely terrible down there. But beyond that, I mean, it's incredible what they've done, and they keep making that place better. So kudos to those guys. And I, I know I'm just kind of rambling. I'm just trying to think about things. Uh, I didn't even mention the fact, you know, that that they still have my driver's license because I, I, I because because yeah, we you still have their night, transponder. <laughs> I do still have their transponder. That is true. And so, so if they are, happen to be listening and they could send that back, I'll gladly trade. Uh, if not, whatever. I got me a, another transfer. I got a transponder, but uh, I wasn't one. even thinking about it because no, well, no, I got a transfer. So we were we were camping down there see and, and usually you're like i'm in a hurry to get out of there so i'm under the car get the transponder off go you know go take it back and see if we have any money or whatever a i didn't see if we had any money because we were terrible uh and b i didn't even load the race car my brother did i went out to to watch the the feature and so i wasn't even thinking about it that sunday morning we woke up and, and my brother's says did you give them like your driver's license or a credit card or anything for the transponder? I said, yeah, I gave them my driver's license. I'm like, Oh man, I look up there kind of out the door there and it's a ghost town. You know, there's about 10 haulers left and there's nobody left at the facility. And uh, it's not the first time we've done that. We left a transponder on at Talladega short track at the ice bowl about four years ago and, and uh, had to, and was about 45 minutes down the road and had to turn around and go back and get it, but, and swapped it out. But, but this time it happened to be my license, not my brother's license or his credit card. I'm glad I didn't leave a credit card. The license I can probably do without. I'm not sure. Like Todd asked what what the state trooper says when I when I show him the transponder rather than my driver's license. But hopefully we won't uh, run into that run into that problem. But all in all, you know, it was a it was a good weekend. I, and all again, I've I've rambled, but man, it was just a it was a good weekend for for those folks down there. And obviously for uh, for Joseph, he ran a really 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 good race. Uh, you know, I, this isn't probably the format for me to air any complaints I have. So I'm going to, I'm not going to do that, but, uh, for the pure racing, you know, 
what a what a great performance uh, by your brother. And those guys were so happy, you know, uh, you know, I tickled for them to to pick up a win like that. Yeah, I was uh, wishing I was there, not going to lie, as I was watching that from the campground and trying not to wake the folks in the campsites uh, nearest there. But, uh, Kevin, do you have something you wanted to add real quick about the Super B? Well, first, another Robert Boondoggle. That's what we're gonna <laughs> yeah. that gets, that's on the Boondoggle list now. We're we're gonna we're gonna get the scorecard out and and put another Boondoggle up there. But uh, the one happened in Louisiana now this year. But um, and hopefully one doesn't happen when he if he gets pulled over. He better be careful until he gets that license back. That could be a Boondoggle there, you know. Uh, but I, I just want to comment on the on on your brother there, uh, Joshua. Man, uh. Fifty thousand dollar to win. I mean, well, in the one, you know. I mean, I, I'm thinking probably you get the one dollar. I mean, he might. Maybe he'll send like if, the four if I get anything, I might get that. Uh, yeah, he'll, <laughs> yeah, he'll send you a birthday card with four quarters uh, pinned, you know, like taped to the to the card or something, you know, like hey, probably. thanks a lot, Joshua, <laughs> for, for the support, you know. But um, man, fifty thousand. I think back. Uh, I know he went to had a uh, Jonathan. I mean, Joseph had a good uh performance at Eldora for the World One Hundred. So he, Qualified the first three nights and wasn't able to do it the last night because he had the scratch because of the motor problems. But I know he was thinking they were looking around. They were possibly thinking about buying a motor at uh, another uh, open competition. He should have just done it. Look at this. You know, I mean, he, <laughs> he should have just done it. He, you know, the one week, uh, two weeks later, he wins 50 grand. So he could have he could have put it on, give it an IOU, you know, like knowing that he could win 50 grand or something. If he had only known, I guess. So, but uh, I'm sure that that 50 grand is going to go a long way to to helping him, uh, uh, you know, improve his super late model program uh, in the future. I'm sure they're already looking at like what they can do. And, but uh, man, 50,000, I mean, I'm sure he was posing for a lot of thumbs up pictures, right? Right, uh, Joshua? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I saw some of them in Victory Lane and, and now I know, now that I've seen Hunt to Front, uh, the, the following that Hunt to Front has, which I hadn't seen in person. I hadn't seen that. I had a little glimpse of it last year. Or at the dream, I guess, this year with Joshua, you know, they're stopping him to post for pictures because some people <laughs> thought that he was Joseph. Um, no, I'm just no, I have I have legitimate yeah, fans. Yeah, Come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. He has some fans, you know. But I did see uh the you know, the I, I, I got to see like their trademark thumbs up po poses. Every time they pose with fans, they have a little trade, you know, thumbs up and it was I, I saw it in Victory Lane, I'm like, there it is. I'm gonna have to get me one of those one of these days with the hunter front boys, I guess. Um, I was mad at Joshua. We yeah, we took a picture with Joshua, uh, Robert, and, and myself at at Eldora. Gabby took the picture of us, but no thumbs up from Joshua. I'm it like, man, not good enough for us. You know, it didn't right. seem appropriate at the time. The thumbs up. Kevin gives me a hard time because uh, we were walking around Eldora, and and um, I guess one day I, I got stopped like it by three different people like back to back to back for pictures. Um, cause apparently I know I'm related to the hunt, the front bunch. And I guess I did the same pose every time and he made fun of me <laughs> yeah. for it with my thumbs up. So anyway, uh, appreciate the, the hard time there, Kevin. That's but, going uh, on the next t-shirt hunt the front thumbs up. Yeah. You know? Thumbs up. There you go. Yeah. But, uh, anyway, it was a, it was a big weekend for Joseph and my brothers and them and, and our team or their team and the family. And I do know, uh, they are looking I already have a, a super motor lined up for Sonoya and then the Lucas Oil races in Georgia as well. So yeah, it'll definitely, uh, and it's, you know, that's going to help for sure. Um, with them getting back to the super, you know, it's more super late model racing. So, but uh, I did have one thing, you know, it's brought up an interesting, uh, aspect there, or, or we kind of hit on this, the, the, um, the money 
uh, it almost, uh, Todd, I think you called it oversaturation of, um, of big money races. And of course, you know, we had the crate race this weekend, so that's a little different, not a super race. And it almost seemed like Roundstown paying 20,000 to win. I think a total of 45,000 possible to win seems, I, I don't want to say, you know, you know, dangerous saying this, but almost like chump change compared to some of the past weekends we've had uh, this year. Todd, do you feel, you know, this, like you said, oversaturation or maybe we call it inflation of, uh, you know, big money purses is, you know, kind of, kind of what's the thoughts on that? Is it, a, you know, obviously I'm sure drivers are happy with it, but do you feel like it's good for the sport going forward or kind of just what's your, your thoughts on it? Well, I think, I think we've kind of talked about this kind of nibble around the edges of this uh, last uh uh, maybe throughout this year, but I, it tends to be kind of COVID related, maybe in that the tracks that did well last year and or tracks that weren't able to race last year have kind of doubled down this year and come back and, and want to do more, want to have more races, want to put more money up. Uh, you know, we've, we've seen a number of races, you know, Knoxville and I-80 uh, putting way more money into the purse and then just new races that are paying more money you know the uh the bristol and texas and las vegas things <laughs> all of a sudden you have three more fifty thousand win races on the schedule um so so all of a sudden you know you know and, and i mean i know this dates me and dates us a little bit but it used to be once you hit the ten thousand mark oh that, that's a big race this weekend and now you can i mean i i haven't counted any particular weekend but you could i bet you could find a weekend that had that has you know, eight or nine or ten, ten thousand or more races on a weekend. Some at the same venue or whatever, but like, just, just uh, there is a, an enormous amount of money out there. So I think it is good for the sport, and that that if this money is truly available and being paid out, that more drivers have a chance to win more money. Um, now for the tracks in the old days that put up, you know, even thirty or forty or fifty thousand, thinking, well, this is surely going to bring, you know, all the big racers to my track well these days that doesn't always guarantee that anymore you know and we're seeing a little more modest car counts which car counts are a little different from era to era it's not like it was years ago but still that you can put out what you think oh well this will surely draw all the big guys and maybe it won't and part of that is because next weekend the previous weekend the next month they also have a similar purse available so they kind of have to maybe pick between those races, uh, uh, depending on what series they want run or whatever they want, where they live and that type of thing. So it's, you know, I don't think it's necessarily a problem, but it is something of interest. And I think for promoters who are, you know, looking at putting out these races, you, you want to put, you want to use your money smartly. You know, you want to uh, do it when it's going to make, uh, make the biggest impact and draw the most cars. And, uh, and if you're just uh, if you're just somebody that says, hey, I think we're going to run 10,000 win this weekend, and you think it's going to be a big deal, well, you better check the schedule or kind of you know check yourself because there's no there's no guarantee uh, these days that that's going to make all the difference uh, in, in making you making you be the big race of the weekend. Yeah, even uh, some regional, you know, the regional shows paying 10,000 or some shows paying 10,000 to win struggle to draw what I would call a good regional field at times these days, it seems like, uh, and, and looking around just because of everything going on. You, you hit on something there, Todd, how, you, you know, you mentioned how you thought this might have to be COVID related and the tracks that did well last year because others were closed and other stuff wasn't going on and they're kind of doubling down and tracks that were closed or maybe coming back with a with a bang. So so I'm, I'm curious, you know, do we see this as 
like you know here to stay it's all you know it's just going to keep getting bigger and purses are going to keep going up and more or at least more big money races or is it kind of a temporary thing kevin i'll, I'll get, get your take on that what, what do you think about that uh, I, I guess it'll be like how these tracks look at their bottom lines like, again you never could have especially for drivers you never can have enough money out there uh, they've always said it man we just need more money we need more money and their those purses are getting up there better now uh i mean is it going is it being spread out to enough different drivers i mean i, I know this is a topic probably robert will definitely like to talk about i know he's he's mentioned it before uh uh, like it's top heavy, the those Dolly Parton purse, top heavy purses, or uh, <laughs> I've always remember that name, that that terminology from back in the day, uh, uh, when the first fifty thousand dollar win shows were coming out, and second place ten, you know. So uh, I mean, are, is it being spread out enough? I mean, it's 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 great to have a lot of big money races, but you know, like you, you even said, Joshua, some of these ten thousands don't stand out enough, uh, and regionally for guys to even. Uh, to example, get a big field. You might not even get 20 cars for. I mean, when you think like, man, it's 10,000 to win. Why not? And and maybe uh, it's there's just uh, there's just there's not that many guys that could win that still. You know, I mean, it's right. great to get that $10,000 uh, to get it, but man, you, you pay 10,000. I mean, Brandon Overton pops up and you know just stays home in the South. I mean, look, he stayed home at Modoc last week. It wasn't a 10. I think it was only what five or four and. Uh, and he, he, he's won every time he's run an ultimate Southeast race this year. So that's, uh, you know, and, uh, it's, it's, it doesn't spread it around very much when you got that guy who's good. So already won almost $800,000 winning more. Uh, so maybe they do. It, uh, I, I think it is a discussion to be had if instead of these 50,000, maybe the way you're going to get hopefully bigger fields would be to spread it out, make that, 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 that payback, not really drop off that much. And, uh, I mean, I, I don't know. It's not like the that's not going to be good for the guys that win a lot, you know, because they're not going to be able to get the bigger numbers. But it might be able to keep more guys involved and in, in, in rolling on if everybody's uh, getting a bigger piece of the pie. But uh, I don't know. You also look at it like that, like the, the, the racing world probably shouldn't like that. I mean, I don't know. I hear a lot of a lot of socialism talks in the <laughs> racing world that how bad socialism is. And here you go. I'm like, you, you want to spread the wealth? Well, I mean, it should be the the only the big guys survive, right? I mean, if you want to win the if there's going to be big money on the line, put the big money for the big guys, and uh, you know, and and uh, why should they? Why should the the big guys be penalized for going after that big money to help the little guy? I mean, hey, it's a I'm not I'm just saying that's just a discussion to be had. Uh, I know uh, the the mentality of the socialism thing. I mean, and if you're if you're spreading the wealth, everybody's getting the same amount. Hey, that's uh that's not the mentality of a lot of guys. But it would be a, it would be a different thought for the racers. But I know a lot of racers think like why that. Let's spread the wealth yeah. and get it back, paying back. But I don't know. I'll, it's, I'll, it's, I'll throw that out. To, I'll throw that yeah. out. I'll throw that out. That's interesting know. that you bring that up and, and not to get political. But I do I do mm -hmm. I have thought that myself when these guys right, are talking exactly. about better payback. That's kind of the opposite of what you typically see from the you know our commute racing world uh, the political spectrum. But um but we will. Mm -hmm. we'll, you know, only brush on that subject there and move on. But um, uh, I thought I'd throw Robert, it out there. What the heck, you know? <laughs> Robert? I'll, uh, I'll I'll kick it to you real quick because you, you, uh, Kevin did mention you, and I know you have been a proponent of uh, racing socialism, if you'll call it that. Um, you know, and spreading the wealth a little more. Do you, but I mean, I mean, you do got to look at it as the the big picture. Is it is it better for the sport if maybe instead of a fifty thousand to win race, we we make it twenty five or thirty and 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 pay that money, you know, back through the field. What, what do you think there, Robert? 
you know, I, I'm obviously you guys know how my opinion, I definitely think that uh, a lot of these races would gain cars, have the same amount of cars. I don't think car counts would drop off if you go from 50 to 25 or 50 to 30. I don't necessarily think it's um, so, so socialism as a whole. You know, I think that, uh, uh, you know, because you still, I don't think, because it's not a handout by any stretch, you know, you've still got to go out there and race and earn. And I don't think everybody should get paid the same. I don't think, I don't think 10th place should, should get the same amount as 24th place or 24th should get the same amount as 10th place in, in any, you know, just like down at the Super B, 10th on back paid the same $1,000. Now, you can look at it one way, $1,000 is great for a crate racer who usually races for 600 or a thousand to win every every week and you make this race but you also got to look at it like well you were there for three days so eh, how much money really was that so i don't think 15 guys should be getting the pay paid the same thing but if you take a fifty thousand dollar to win race and you take twenty five thousand off the top and then second's going to pay 20 and you take say cut that down to fifteen thousand so all of a sudden, you've got an extra $30,000 to spread. First of all, you could spread, think about this from a promoter's, you could put 10000 in your pocket and spread 20000 of it through the purse or, or take 50, split it, put 15 that you know to help make sure you survive the weekend and your bottom dollar is okay. Take, you, you save 30 off the top two spots, just the top two spots, and you spread that around to yourself and to the rest of the racers to make sure that a the track is there next weekend with the gates open and that that people who show up don't have to run fourth or fifth just to pay their tire bill you know that's that's my thing i, I this racing deal is very very humbling for starters and it's very very difficult it's very very expensive so if why not take that money we are the show how many times are you going to hear people say that racers? We are the show performers have to get paid in this sport. And if we are the show, I think we need to, to, to get paid to, to come to these events. Uh, you know, if we don't perform, uh, you know, we went to super B this weekend and we sucked. We didn't perform. So we don't, why do, why do we get paid? Cause we sucked. We didn't perform very well. We might've put on a show, but we didn't do very well. So we, we left there with nothing. I understand that. I get it. I have no problem with it. That's on me to go home and get better and, and, and work on my stuff. As far as the guy who finishes, first of all, let me say this about halfway through that race, there was like 20 cars still out there and they all, and from 10th on back, it paid the same. And I'm sitting, I'm standing in the infield shooting it for, for us, you know, for dirt on dirt. And I'm like, what are those fools still doing running around out there when they all get paid the same from 10th on back i was shocked i was <laughs> absolutely I was, I was wondering I was the same absolutely thing watching it shocked that that they had that many i think like 14 or 15 maybe finished something like that but but to have that many cars still riding around that deep into a race when they know that 10th on back and there wasn't much passing i was like it, it blew my mind but yeah at, at any rate I do think that that car counts would they're not going to improve, you know, tenfold by by you know giving the money but but what it's going to help is people it just helps people get back to the track the next week by paying more throughout the field 
that's that's pretty much right. what I'm a proponent of, making sure that these guys that support you every week, every race, it's really not much different, honestly, if you think about it, than the Lucas Oil World Outlaw show-up money. You know, I mean, think about it. These guys get 700 or 1,000, whatever it is, just to pull through the pit gates. It's not a lot of for, for, for their as a reward for their perfect attendance and for their, you know, contractual agreements and that sort of stuff. There's not a lot of difference than just make sure these people get paid so they can put gas in their truck and get home and pay their tire bill. And, and maybe, you know, if it's not a waffle house night, maybe it's a, I don't know what's worse than waffle house. I don't, I'm trying to think. Ramen noodles. At this <laughs> you know, I guess I'm All trying right. to think of some fast food place, but you know, you know, you, you understand what I'm saying. These guys got to get paid so they can get back the next week. It's that yeah. simple. Yep. I'm sure there's a, there's a equilibrium here or a, a middle ground that could be reached. And uh, as um, I think it'll be interesting to see if this trend of higher paying races continues and, and where the future of the sport heads, um, you know, as, as we see how tracks, uh, you know, do with these financially with these big races and big purses if they reschedule them and, and do them again next year and in the future. Uh, yeah, Robert. I will say this to Todd's point. I looked back through our schedule and there are, are uh, 15 races this year that pay $20,000 to win on our schedule. If a driver said, I don't want to run $10,000 win races anymore, there's 38 races that they could run, not counting the Dream or the World 100, not counting the a couple of oddball events that pay because I, I went back and looked it up, but I didn't add like a dollar at the end and twenty three dollars. You know, I didn't add oddball figures at the end. I just kept it simple. Thirty eight races a guy could put a thirty eight race schedule together to race for from twenty to fifty thousand dollars plus the other handful of races. Like I know that there's a there's three or four twenty thousand to win races. Madden won one. It paid twenty two five. Uh, that Alltech race pays 26 down at uh, the Crate Racing USA deal. I think the Castro Flow Racing deal has a 22K race. So you could put together like a 45-race schedule or better of races that don't even include a $10,000 to win race. Think about that. When 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 has that ever happened? That is that is an incredible amount of, of money at the top of our sport, which is which is good. I mean, it's, it's a good thing for promoters to put this up as long as they're, they're making money and can stay open the gates next week. So – a lot of races out there that aren't tens anymore. Yeah, it's certainly uh, it's reached a new level. It feels like with the the payouts, which is good. It's just a matter to see if it um you know if it's sustainable. I guess is the question here. But uh, speaking of sustainable, um, this uh, length of our podcast is not. So we're going to go ahead and start wrapping it up, and uh, we will do that as we always do each week with our one more thing segment, where we each go around and mention one thing that stood out to us uh, from the from the past week, a news item result or whatever it may be. And uh, for this week's, I will start with Todd. Todd, what do you have for one more thing? Hey, I had a lot of uh, first-time winners that are going to be touted in our weekly notebook. They always kind of do first-time winners of tracks or divisions or whatever. We have, like, I think nine people that won either their first late model style race or, or wanted a track for the first time. And, and one of the best stories is Chase Gelling. Uh, he's a 17-year-old racer, the son of multi, multi-time track and Wissota champion Kurt Gelling. He won the finale at the Jamestown, North Dakota Speedway's stock car stampede. Uh, he won $2,554, and that's his first late model victory. Uh, interestingly, his dad finished second to him. His dad has gone to the stampede 30 times and never won. Uh, so so uh, poor dad, uh, his son uh, in his second try, 
if the Stampede denied him uh, a victory yet again. But, uh, yeah, check out the Weekly Notebook on Thursday and see the list of uh, the other first-time winners. There you go. An interesting dynamic there, uh, father and son there. So um bet there was some uh, some friendly rivalry stuff going on talk afterward there. Uh, what about uh, you, Kevin? What do you got for one more thing? Hey, I want to give a shout-out to our uh, – our announcer uh, for the Lucas Oil Late Model Series, uh, James Essex, is 700th. Uh, he put up, on, uh, he mentioned in a social media post right before the first race of the weekend at Brownstown, that was the 700th race that he's called for the Lucas Oil Series uh, uh, since it started, you know, well, 15 years ago, whatever it was, 16 years ago. Uh, pretty cool that it happened at Brownstown, too, because that's his uh, home track and uh, where he spent so much of his time over the years. And I know, like like Mike Marler said in an interview after the race, uh, when he was coming in, he saw a, saw a sign in a, in a store or something coming in. He, it said James Essex for president. <laughs> so, I mean, James is an institution there at Brownstown. And uh, just, just neat that. I, I just thought it was neat that his 700th uh, kind of a milestone uh, race in his career there. Lucas Oil Series comes at Brownstown. Uh, so, so uh, congratulations to him for his longevity there at the at the microphone. Absolutely, congrats to uh, James Essex for that. That's pretty cool there. Uh, what about you, Robert? One more thing. What you got? I just noticed that uh, you know, throw a, a tip of the hat to Rusty Slink, who goes out to Granite City there and and has a great weekend. He wins a race and runs second in two races. And Trevor Gundecker as well uh, wins there at his home track, his family on track. Uh, three winners: Tony Jackson Jr., Rusty Slink, and Trevor Gundecker. The uh, uh, I think Mod Mania. It's, it's rare that um, under you know the late models that we talk about are on undercards, but for that particular event out there at, at Tri City, they are and. 3,000 win races, and Rusty goes out there and wins one and runs second in uh, the other two. So uh, good job there, and good job by the uh, the Gundeckers for putting on a, another th- good three-night show out there. Yeah, definitely. That was an interesting one and a big weekend, as you said, for Schlink and, and what's been a big year for him. I'll, uh, I'll finish up by uh, uh, mentioning Dale McDowell. Uh, of course, he won uh, the uh, Southern All-Stars race at Smoky Mountain uh, on Saturday in what turns out to be his uh, his last race for a little while. If you missed the news, um, he uh, had surgery, I believe, uh, the, the, the day after or, or Monday, I, I guess, um, uh, for prostate cancer and uh, saw him on social media there. Uh, Shane McDowell racing post that the surgery went well um, and uh, that he is beginning his recovery. So hopefully uh, it is a smooth recovery and Dale was able to get back to the track quickly, um, maybe even by the end of the, you know, before this year's out um, and then not have any more issues uh, with that going forward. But either way, it was good to see him uh, get that win uh, there. And and like I said, what was his last race for a little while? So anyway, that's going to be it for this week's edition of the podcast. We appreciate uh, you guys listening and uh, we'll be back again next week for another episode. Y'all have a good week. 